This is the Living Out Podcast, and I'm your host, Darren Steele. I am a thought leader, a writer, podcaster. I coach gay men to live out their unique insights and gifts for who they are as gay men, because I believe when we live out and proud more fully and more completely so that the world sees and recognizes who we are, we can have a profound evolutionary impact on the world. Now, what I am doing regularly with everything I do is to share that message, to help people think more critically, to create more empathetic dialogue, because what we're dealing with in the world today is too much combativeness, too much ego, a defensive posture of either ownership or trying to be right, both of which are kind of a possessive mentality. But we need to bridge that gap to be more mindful of who we are, that we are all connected on this planet, that we are all part of this planet, and how we treat ourselves is how we treat others, is how we treat the availability of life existing on this planet. So it's more than just about gay rights or LGBTQ equality and breaking down prejudice. It is about living out the best of who we are to make the world a better place. Now, I recently opened up a Facebook group, the Living Out Leadership Group for Gay Men. And if you're a gay man who's interested in leading out in a proud way without having to hide in the closet, but how you can bring your gifts either to the workplace or in your day-to-day life to be proud of who you are, to never have to hide in the shadows, then I would invite you to check out the group and I will include the link in the show notes, but you can go to Facebook slash groups slash living out leadership, or just look for living out leadership in the search bar of Facebook. Okay, let's get to today's episode, which is how to control and reduce the toxic stress of homophobia. Now, this morning, I was listening to uh, an episode of Getting Curious by Jonathan Van Ness. And if you don't know who that is, well, you should. Uh, He is one of the Fab Five in the reboot of the Netflix show Queer Eye. He is an example of so out, you can't be any more out. And out in the sense of who he is as his best, happiest self. He was doing an episode this morning, or I was listening to it this morning, called What is Toxic Stress and Why is She So Bad? An interview with Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Carolyn Leaf is a cognitive neuroscientist. She's got a PhD in communication pathology and a, and a Bachelor of Science in logopedics and audiology and specializes in metacognitive and cognitive neuropsychology. What the hell does that mean, right? Basically, she does a lot of research in neuroscience and how the brain works and affecting positive change uh, for people who are dealing with uh, depression or anxiety uh, and how to think in more positive ways, not just thinking positive, but in a way that actually makes a neural imprint that makes for a physiologically healthier brain by creating healthier thoughts. Now, I thought this was interesting for uh, a couple of reasons. One, 
She was speaking very generally, but I have been sharing these ideas in so many various podcasts, and I'll include uh, uh, links to a number of these podcasts where you can pick up these ideas. I just haven't systematized it in in the way that she does, and I'll come to her um, five-step process uh, throughout as I'm talking in this podcast and towards the end of it. So what I want to start with is some examples, or at least one big example of how toxic the stress of homophobia is and why we need to control it and reduce it. Because essentially, even if it's just a thought that you're holding in your brain about how your body looks, so nothing to do with homophobia, but you're looking in the mirror and every day you're like, fuck, I hate my body, or I'm so fat, or I'm so ugly. That negative thought actually starts to create some wiring in the brain that's very unhealthy. And it it has a negative effect on your well-being, your physiology, your energy levels, your immune system, uh, how much cortisol, the chemical in response to the increase in stress is released in your brain, and, and so on and so forth. So just think about this on a general level. Like when you're really happy and content and at peace and think about those moments that make you feel the most comfortable? Is it somewhere out in nature, up at a cottage? Is it when you're on a sailboat or when you're riding your bike or when you're working out at the gym or when you're cuddling in the arms of somebody you really love or care about? How does that feel? Everything just sort of lets go and and simply is, and you almost don't even notice anything because you have this lightness when you're in those moments of like tranquility and feeling so good or or you're sort of like robust with this energetic vitality if you're laughing and having a good time and your face flushes with this wonderful tingly sort of positive energy for lack of a better word and then how do you feel when you're angry contrast that like when you're really fucking angry when you are raging and i mean Somebody has done something so horribly wrong. Not just a tweet, not just a Facebook, but somebody has really done something horribly wrong. Or you're in a situation where somebody is taking away, potentially, some of your human rights. And you feel powerless. So you could feel that sort of like depressive powerlessness, or you might feel that absolute rage. If you keep feeling that, how do you think that's going to affect you? Have you ever become sick sometime after that kind of a prolonged? For quite some time when I launched my publication, uh, Think Queerly, and it's it's coming up on a year and a half, uh, but 2018 and sort of February started bringing in writers into the publication, whereas before it had just been me. And somebody else who was writing quite regularly was very much on top of American politics. And I'm just looking at some of the titles, you know, that I wrote. You're having an impact when you get your first hater shoving my queer agenda in your face. The problem of freedom of choice versus discrimination. How do you feel with a hate-filled, sorry, how do you deal with a hate-filled discriminatory week? Uh, Why do we self-sabotage? Why do queers get so fucking angry? (laughs) Is your comment discriminatory, racist, homophobic, hateful, or disrespectful? Oh, 
God. There were a number of other examples in, in working with writers in different posts where I was always reading comments or people were attacking me and homophobes and prejudiced and racist people were leaving comments that were just atrocious. And I would open up my email and then I would have a number of notifications from, you know, you have a comment on this post. And before I even read the words of like the little preamble that's included in the email of what that comment is, I would start breathing faster and my heart would start racing and my heart felt like it lifted up into the very top of my chest, literally just under my collarbone. And it just felt like it was going to push through the top of my ribs. Now that's a very clear indication that something wasn't good, right? This went on for a long time. And then something else happened last summer. I've, I've mentioned this before, and it was so bad. I was almost considering giving up and, and closing the publication uh, or turning it just into a single author publication and, and just, you know, removing all the writers. And, and that's what the bullies wanted me to do. But it took a long time and it took a lot of processing and it took a lot of self-awareness and it took a lot of seeing what I was doing and how it was making me feel sick and seeing how it was affecting my relationship with my partner, who a couple times would just look at me and he'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like, I don't want to hear this. You're making me upset because you're upset. I don't want to disrespect you, but this is not helping you or me. And sometimes we need reminders like that. And it's not that we should condone racism or prejudice or homophobia, but how can we, let me back up for a second. These things are really important to me. Evolving humanity so that we are all on a level playing field. That, that I'm not better than you and you're not better than me and somebody else should not have more privilege than I do or less. I do what I can in, in, in the messaging that I send out to the world and the action that I'm taking in my one-on-one -on -one coaching with clients and in the action that I'm taking in my group living out leadership for gay men. I want to help make the world a better place, but how do I do that without making myself sick? How do I do that without getting to the point where I have to quit? Well, that was the lesson last summer. Carolyn Leaf talks about a number of things that I have been doing for years. But like I said, she puts it into a five-step um, formula. And I'll give you that now. She says the first step is awareness. And then number two, deep analytical thinking or reflection. Number three, writing it down. Number four, edit. So I guess edit the, the thought pattern or the way of thinking. And number five is action. So let's walk through these things. Now, she says exactly what I agree with. Meditation is so important here, or some form of stillness of mind, whether it be meditative walking or sitting in meditation, whether it be 10 minutes a day or an hour a day. Meditation isn't all there is. Mindfulness is not all there is. What meditation really helps with is the witness. How we observe, how we can stand back and see what's happening, and then resolve to change how we are feeling. 
What's really important with the witness, with the observer, is to do that without any judgment. So when you witness yourself, when you have that moment when you catch yourself in anger or in rage or even in extreme happiness, if you can just start thinking about, it's almost like you back up and it's like you are behind yourself or you are in front of yourself or as um, Carolyn Leaf suggests, it's almost like you're looking at yourself on the other side of a window, like having an out-of-body experience and you just observe and don't go, oh my God, I wish I wouldn't act like that or... Oh, there I go getting angry again. Fuck me. That doesn't help. (laughs) That's the kind of pattern of behavior and thinking that we really want to change. I had to start doing a lot of witnessing, and I had to also start practicing more meditation to get myself into that calmer state of mind. Because the thing about meditation is it can sometimes give you those briefest of moments of going into that gap. And the gap is the space of no thought, of, of, of no thinking. And that, that gap is that little pause. And so when I became more and more aware of how, how bad my reactions were, I had to step back and just witness. It's like, oh, okay, well, this situation is clearly one of prejudice, one of racism. Why am I reacting this way? Or, okay, so I'm reacting this way. So I just want to correct myself there. It's not asking myself why in this moment. It's just witnessing. It's like, oh, well, there's the trigger. Isn't that interesting? Well, there's my reaction. Isn't that interesting? And so that next step is this analytical thinking. It's like, oh, okay. What about that trigger makes me react that way? well, okay, it, it's homophobic or it's racist and it's wrong and I should really get upset about this and I need to do something about this. What about that way of reacting serves me in this moment? Well, it doesn't. Getting all hyper and upset and, and thinking these upset thoughts and getting more upset in my brain, that's only making me upset. So for me, writing has always been a big thing. Writing is in publishing articles and journaling. And the podcast, which may start as writing, because I often, most of the time, put down my ideas either in the form of an article or a series of uh, sequential notes, as I've done for today's podcast, so that I can stay on track and speak to the problem or the challenge or the issue that I want to speak about. So I am aware of the triggers. I'm aware of how I'm behaving and responding, then I think in relation to, ah, what's going on? And I write down these thoughts. And in journaling, working through these thoughts and asking myself questions and digging a little deeper reduces the intensity, but also cycles back to the awareness, the observer. Because in writing things down and writing things down by hand, so important. And and the handwriting part here, especially I think in this exercise, is far more important than using any app or any digital form of a journal. 
because you are making a mind-body connection, and we've we've proven this again and again in, in neuroscience research about how much more we learn, how much more we connect our thoughts through the action of physical handwriting. And then once you are writing down this description, writing down the story, you can edit it. You can reframe it. It's one of my favorite words in coaching is, how do we reframe this? How do we look at this in a different way? How do we anticipate our behaviors? What can we do in place of this behavior? And that takes us into the fifth fifth step, which is the action. So what action can I take when I feel this trigger around wanting to get upset in response to racism or homophobia, misogyny, or, or whatever the case may be? This then prepares you, allows you, helps you to be in a better brain space. And there's a couple of things to talk about here. First of all, when you are angry and you're you're angry to that point of a rant or another emotion is, is grief, for example, when you are so in there, you kill creativity. You can't focus on anything else when, when the brain is in, in, in anger and in rage. It consumes and blocks creativity. Now, for me, creativity is my livelihood. I have to think creatively for my writing and my podcast. I have to think creatively when I'm listening, working with a client and coaching. I need that creativeness which comes from that in part, meditative space, being available in the gap to be non-thinking, to be non-judgmental, non-judgmental, <laughs> to not be in the moment of judgment or defensiveness, to, to leaving the baggage of my ego as much as I can to the side so I can be there to support the person in front of me who I'm working with. And all this is important because our brain or our thoughts are not who we are. Dr. Leaf has this expression, you think, you feel, you choose. Okay, so you could think, is it something like seven times the, when we're thinking, we're thinking at seven times the speed that we could actually speak. And then you're going to feel in response to how you're thinking. But then you can also choose. So it's kind of like you cycle back and it's almost like you're going into another part of your brain. It's like, I I don't want to think these thoughts. So if I choose different thoughts to think, or if I choose to focus on these more healthy, productive thoughts of well-being, then I'm also going to feel better. And what Dr. Leaf suggests, and this is really important, so we cannot express, sorry, we cannot suppress Emotions like grief or depression or, or even rage, they don't go away until we acknowledge and express and learn how to deal with them. This is not what this is about. It's not about hiding. This connects with other things I've talked about in podcasts like internalized homophobia or gay men that 
call themselves straight acting or are seeking only other men that are straight acting and are afraid of the feminine. And that that comes from all those years in the closet of being told you were wrong. And we suppress our feelings and parts of our identity and go on the defensive to keep ourselves safe in the world from being attacked, whether that be at the verbal or the physical level. And until we can work through those emotions, until we can connect with forgiveness for ourselves and the forgiveness for others who are prejudiced against us, again, never condoning that, but listen to the tone of my voice when I say that, I've had to work through that experience of being able to forgive myself before I could get off my high horse of being so defensive about who I am, protecting myself and my identity as a gay man, which has really, truly, magnificently helped me cross over into a mental space of so much more peace of mind and inner well-being. And and this is my process. This is how I have redesigned my own life from being a very angry, very defensive, very ex- angry, explosive Darren. I choose to share this and be vulnerable with you so that you can see that this can be done. We can choose how to feel, we can choose a better energy that serve and support us in a life of of well-being, but it takes time. Now, Dr. Leaf goes into, uh, this was new to me, that it actually takes 21 days to form a memory and 63 days to form a habit. Now, remember, people used to say, very cliched. You have to practice a habit for three weeks. It's always been more than that. And, and forming a habit certainly depends on the complexity of, of the habit that you're wishing to perform. Her switch on your brain five-step process also works with old ways of thinking or, or habits of behavior that maybe you've had for a very long time. The process itself is really easy it's the practice that may challenge many because to to really change at the deeper um, level of the brain, to create new branches of synapses and to rewire, because we're either creating new or we're rewiring because we can change old patterns and old ways of thinking and old ways of think, uh, reacting. We can change. We can do that no matter how old we are. But it can take up to 63 days to make that a permanent habit in the brain. So I hope this has been helpful. And I'm going to leave a lot of references in the show notes that speak further to this topic, like how to let go of that feeling that we always need to be right and how to be who you are instead I speak about why the stories of your past are not who you are and how we can use journaling to create the life that you actually want. I even talk about fear as the mind killer and what's, what's its opposite and what holds you back versus what you want more instead. One of my most recent episodes, Being at Ease with Yourself, which, which speaks a lot to how we understand the ego 
and accept the abundance of the world around us so that we can be more at ease with ourselves, with the choices that we make, and understanding abundance as a flow of energy. And, and that's nothing crazy because, as Einstein has shown us, you know, E equals MC squared. Energy is all that there is, whether it be the energy of the podcast microphone or the computer right in front of me that's very solid and very slow and has a form, or whether it be the super fast energy that is light, or whether it be the energy that we actually physically emanate from our bodies that when you and I are sitting across from each other, we can pick up and we can sense on an unconscious level whether the energy you're feeling and giving me is is hopeful and friendly or angry and disdainful and, and one of hatred. If you are struggling, if you're someone who's on the front lines with wanting to make improvement in the world, whether it be prejudice or racism or misogyny or fighting against an, an ideology in another country, if you're feeling sick and tired and run down and worn out, can you still do this work but take care of your mental and physical and emotional health at the same time? Yes, yes you can. You can follow the instructions that I've talked about here and you can definitely go resource the information at Carolyn Leaf's website. So until next time, as always, thank you for listening and live out and live proud.